reading is Matthew 7, verses 1 to 12, and if you're following in the Pew Bibles, it's page 971. So do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust at your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. It's the word of God. Well, once again, good morning to you. Such a privilege for me to be here. Um, your pastor Megan been saying that she's privileged for me to be here. Uh, she's privileged for me to be here, but I'm privileged for being here because uh, I have two daughters, and I consider myself a feminist. And uh, uh, it's 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 not often that we have a female lead pastor in churches. Uh, our denomination uh, uh, preaches egalitarian. We believe in the the uh, gifting and the calling uh, of men and women in ministry. Uh, but sometimes um, that, when it comes to the role in ministries, uh, that are not always practiced. And so uh, to have uh, an example that we can see uh, for my daughters to come and see a lead pastor leading a church, that is just a blessing. So thank you. Um, and I hope you don't mind my accent. Um, <laughs> As a neighbor, we're actually closer to Australia, but I, I guess because of some lobby uh, by a country in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, our education system seems to be more uh, closer to that country in the Northern Hemisphere, which will remain unmentioned. Um, I remember uh, when I was in grade three in primary school, um, I had to stay an extra six months in grade three because we moved our academic calendar to June, June, uh, June, July, is it? Or July, June, something like that, to follow the Northern Hemisphere summer schedule instead of following uh, the Southern Hemisphere summer schedule, which is actually closer to us because we are in the southern part of the equator. And so I end up with this uh, hodgepodge of an accent, which is closer to something that is very far from Indonesia rather than something that is very close, uh, a country that is very closer much closer to uh, our home. Um, this morning, I want to talk about uh, a prayer that the Father loves to answer. Um, you, as a church, are going through emotionally healthy spirituality, a very important study, I think, 
Um, because one of the things that tragically can happen in the life of the church is that our prayer hits what, what, what is called the wall. Have you reached that part in the study yet? Not quite, okay. Well, you will, you will talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, which essentially is saying our spiritual growth is at a standstill. Um, and this can happen when followers of Jesus uh, end up having a prayer life that is dry. Uh, the greatest privilege given to us, that is, to fellowship with God, to commune with God, gets to be sidelined, often sidelined by things that are good, uh, important, uh, sidelined by the things that keeps us busy, and not necessarily bad, but they do distract us from the main thing, which is to commune with God. And so as we reflect on our topic this morning of a prayer the Father loves to answer, my hope is that for all of us, including myself, we'll be able to consider more what are the priorities we have in life. What are the priorities we have in life and rearrange them in light of the fellowship with God that he invites us to have, to participate in. And then also to understand better just exactly what it is, the kind of prayer that our Father in heaven loves to answer. Um, what we'll do is to focus on what Jesus is saying in verses 7 to 11 on the text that we just read. Matthew 7, 7 to 11. But in order to understand what Jesus is really saying and trying to tell us, we have to read those verses in context. That's why we read them from verse 1 all the way to verse 12. There's a saying that says, a text without context is a pretext for a con. Have you any, anybody heard that before? Right? And so, of course, um, you know, we, we spent three years uh, getting theological education. We don't want to con you, right, Pastor Megan? And so we want to read the whole thing and give us a context of what Jesus is trying to tell us. So what we'll do here this morning is twofold. First, we'll look at our text. And then I want to notice, I want us to notice and see that Jesus is giving us seven exhortations. Jesus is giving us seven exhortations to pray that we find in verses 7 to 11. And then secondly, we'll try to answer the question of how we are to understand the promises that we will receive when we ask, when we find, and we, when we knock on the door. So we'll go look at the trees first, and then we'll try to understand the trees by looking at the bigger picture, which is the forest. Uh, so let's begin by looking at the seven exhortations. The first one is that we are invited to pray. We're invited to pray by Jesus. He invites us to pray. Three times he invites us to pray. Three times he commands us to pray. He says, ask, seek, and knock. To ask him for what we need. Verses 7 to, 11, 7 to 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, Jesus knows that sometimes we can be reluctant to come and approach his Father. And the repetition of the words is meant to say, I really mean this. I want you to do this. 
Ask your father for what you need. Seek your father for the help that you need. Knock on the door of your father's house so that he will open and give you what you need. Ask, seek, and knock. I invite you three times because I really want you to enjoy your father's blessing, to receive your father's help. That's the first exhortation. The second one is that we are given promises as we pray. He makes promises to us if we pray. And this is even better because um, there are actually seven promises that Jesus gives. Um, Matthew is a gospel that is written primarily for a Jewish audience. And interlaced in the way he writes, he uses a lot of Jewish symbolism. Uh, And seven being the good number is interlaced in these promises. There are seven promises that Jesus gives when we come to his father to pray to him. Seven promises, verses 7 and 8 again. Ask, and the first promise, it will be given to you. Seek, and the second promise is you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, promise number four, receives. The one who seeks, promise number five, finds. And to the one who knocks, promise number six, the door will be opened. Then at the end of verse 11, 11b, the seventh promise, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? Seven promises. We are given seven promises as we pray. It will be given to you. You will find. It will be open. The asker receives. The seeker finds. The one who knocks gets an open door. And the Father will give you good things. Again, the point of this array of promises is to say to us, be encouraged. Be encouraged to come and pray. Pray to Him. It is not in vain that you pray to the Father. God is not playing with you. God is not toying with you. He answers. He gives good things when you pray. And so be encouraged. Pray often. Pray regularly. And pray confidently. The third exhortation is that the invitation that is given to us is given at different levels. Jesus exhorts us not only by the number of invitations and promises, but by the three varieties of invitations, which is trying to tell us that God is ready to respond to us, to respond positively to us, when you find God at different levels of accessibility, different levels of spirituality. Ask, seek, and knock. You see, if we as a child know that our father is near, we would just come to him and ask, right? And so if the father is near, a child would ask for what she needs. If the father is somewhere else in the house and is not seen, then the child would seek his father for what he needs. And then if the child seeks his father and finds the father behind closed door, perhaps working in his study, then she will knock on the door to reach to her father to get what she needs. And the point is this. It doesn't matter whether you find God immediately close to you or perhaps hard to see or perhaps you feel that there is a barrier between you and him. He will hear, and he will give you good things to you because you look to him and not 
to another. You actually look to the Father. That's the third exhortation. The fourth exhortation is even better. No one is excluded. No one is excluded. Jesus exhorts us to pray by making it explicit that everyone who asks receives, not just some. Verse 8 again. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. When he says the word everyone in verse 8, and the word in the original language is all, and it goes with all, the whole sentence, he wants us to overcome our timidity, our hesitancy, that somehow it will work for other people, because other people are more spiritual than me, but it will not work for me. Or maybe we think that we're not good enough to ask and seek and knock. That's because we often forget that whether our, whatever our condition is, in Jesus Christ, we are the children of the Father. Our identity is solid in Jesus. John 1 verse 12, what Pastor Megan read earlier, says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed, who believed, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this Matthew text is reminding us that none of the Father's children is excluded. All are welcome and urged to come to the Father. The fifth accusation is that we come to our Father. Now, we've looked at this implicitly, but it's time to say it explicitly with its own force. When we come to God through Jesus, we are coming to our Father. We are coming to our Father. When we come to God through Jesus, we are coming to our Father. Now, as Christians, sometimes this gets diluted, but this is a really wonderful reality for us to keep remembering, that when we come to God through Jesus, we come to our Father. Verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Imagine that. If we are evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more your Father who is in heaven? For Jesus, the word Father was not just a label. It is actually one of the greatest implications of the truth that he's sharing with us in his gospel. God is our Father. And so the implication is that we will never receive anything bad from him. He will never give us anything bad because he's our Father. The sixth exhortation is that our Heavenly Father is better than our earthly father. Incomparably better than our earthly father. Jesus encourages us to pray by showing that our Heavenly Father is so much better than our earthly father and will far more be willing to give good things to us than they did. Why? Because there's no evil in our Heavenly Father. Like there is evil in our earthly father. 
Just as James, the brother of Jesus, would say in his letter, he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. There's no darkness in our Father in heaven like there is in our earthly Father. And so verse 11 again, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him. Now, I'm aware that this is not a popular point to preach, but it is very necessary. No matter how good our earthly father is, he is still evil. No matter how good I am to my children, I am a father of two girls that I adore and love dearly. I'm a pastor. However, I am good to my daughters, <laughs> I'm still evil. Charlie, <laughs> this doesn't give us hope, does it? <laughs> and I'm very aware that this part of the text is very sensitive. Try to preach this in an ethnic church that is very patriarchal, right? You might not get invited again. <laughs> but here it is. We find Jesus being very blunt, unflattering, if you will. No hiding it. No trying to make it softer. He assumes that his disciples are all evil. Now, he, he doesn't choose a softer word. For example, instead of saying you who are evil, he'd say you who are sinful or you who are weak. He simply says you who are evil. And it's interesting that the word that Jesus uses is the same word that he uses when he teaches them also to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the poneroi. And so I hope that my daughters don't pray, deliver us from dad. <laughs> and the point Jesus is trying to make is this. Even fallen, sinful, earthly fathers usually have enough in them to give good things to their children. Now, I know there are terribly abusive fathers. But in most occasions, it is the father's desire to give good things to their children, even when they are unclear about what is good for their children. In our part of the world, sometimes it is easy for the father to be uninvolved. But with the desire to give good things, then he would give, for example, electronic gadgets to children. Right? It's a modern-day pacifier. It is, it's coming from a good desire, but it's not necessarily good. But it is coming from that good desire to give something that he thinks is good for that children. But God is always better. In him, there is no shifting shadows. In him, there is no evil. And so, therefore, the argument is quite persuasive. If your earthly father gave you good things, or even if he didn't, how much more will your heavenly father give good things? Always good things to those who ask. But also, at the same time, Jesus is reminding us, Jesus is telling us, Jesus is strongly rebuking us. 
He says, don't ever limit your understanding of the fatherhood of God to your experience of your own father. Seek healing, seek wholeness, because this father is good. Don't ever limit your understanding or let your experience of your earthly father became a stumbling block to experience the fatherhood of God. Rather, take heart that God has none of the sins or limitations or weaknesses or hang-ups of your father. He is the good father. Now, this is actually the prayer that I pray the most in my daily walk with God. That in my fatherhood to my children, let none of my limitations, weaknesses, or hang-ups be a stumbling block to them. The seventh exhortation is a no-brainer. Jesus himself is the foundation of our prayer. The foundation of our prayer is Jesus. I hope we can all see that it is obvious that Jesus himself is the foundation of our answer prayer. Through his death, resurrection, ascension, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, even though we are evil, we can be the children of the Father. We can be his Father's children, and therefore his Father now becomes our Father. Because of him, his Father has now become our Father. Our Heavenly Father, whom we can trust, will give good gifts to those who ask Him. The same Jesus who died on the cross, was raised three days later, and was taken up to heaven, and then pours out His Holy Spirit on His disciples, is the foundation of all God's promises and answer to the prayers that we offer to His Father. And that is why we pray when we pray, we pray in whose name? In Jesus' name. Everything rests on him. Now, one final question about understanding these promises, these exhortations that Jesus gave us. We have looked at seven exhortations for, for us to come to him in prayer. Now, one final question. One final question is this. How shall we understand the promises that Jesus gives us in verses 7 and 8. Jesus says, Ask and will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, does that mean that in everything that a child of God asks for, he or she gets? We ask for a better house, and so we ask, and we seek, and we knock, and voila, we'll get a better house. We drive a beat-up car, and we ask, and we seek, and we knock, voila, and we end up with a bigger people mover, right, for a growing family. Is that how it works? I don't think so. And I think the context here is sufficient to answer this question. And that's why I said text without a context is a pretext for a con. And unfortunately, this text has been used in such a way to con people and claiming that when you pray and claim that it will come to you. But the answer is no. We do not get everything we ask for. Not in that sense. 
Now, maybe it, come, it came to your mind. Why did Jesus put what he says about asking, about seeking, and about knocking in this part of his Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5 to Matthew 7 is a big uh, discourse where Jesus went up the mount and gave, I think, the best sermon ever preached by a human being. Why didn't he just combine it in the earlier section when he thought his disciples, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Instead, this is how you should pray. And he teaches his disciples what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven and so on. At first, it seems natural to put it in there. Right? To just continue after teaching the Lord's Prayer to continue his teaching on asking, seeking and knocking. Why didn't he put it there? Now I think the answer is this. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching his disciples what is the content of the prayer his disciples should pray. It always starts with hallowing the Father's name. It always starts with asking the Father's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's teaching us the content of a prayer that his father loves to hear. Now, in telling us to ask, seek, and knock, he is actually showing us the responsibility of a child of God, the one whose prayers is heard and answered by his father, who is our heavenly father. Let me repeat that again. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching his disciples the content of the prayer. The content of the prayer that his disciples should pray to the Father. In telling us to ask, seek, and knock, he's showing us the responsibility of a child of God, the one whose prayer is heard and answered by his Father, by our Heavenly Father. And the responsibility of a child of God whose prayer is heard and whose prayer is answered is found in verse 1 and 2, verse 6, and verse 12. Two responsibilities sandwiches the command to ask, seek, and knock. Verse 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then in verse 12, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And then there's a bonus responsibility that acts like a lettuce to the sandwich, if you will. Right? Verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, I've heard Pastor Megan preaches, and he, she mentions about inclusio, right? It's a, it's a literary device that um, uh, uh, more writing culture uses to make a point. And we can see this in a, in a color-coded way uh, that makes, makes it easier for us to see. There's a sandwich. The first responsibility, the second, the second responsibility acts as a bun to the command to ask and seek and not. And then in between that, there's the lettuce. Do not give dogs what is sacred. And these responsibilities give definition to the good gifts. To the good gifts that Jesus promises his father will give 
to the children who ask, who seek, and who knock. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is this. The first sign that we have received His Father's good gifts is this. We live our lives not judging others by looking at the speck of sawdust in another person's eyes and pay no attention to the plank that is right there in front of our own eye. The only one who has the right to do that is God. And He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. As Paul would say in his letter to the Roman church in Romans 5.8. Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And so that is the first sign that we have received a good gift. We do not judge other people by looking only at the speck of sawdust in that person's eye. And pay no attention at all to the plank that we have in our own eye. That's the first sign. The second sign is this. The second sign that says that we have received God's good gift is this. We do to others what we would have them do to us. We want respect. We treat others with respect. We want to be loved, we start by loving other people, and so on. And again, this is also what we see God doing to us. Paul again explains, this time in his letter to the Corinthian church, in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. He says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And because of that, then he has committed to us the body, the message of reconciliation. Two signs that says that we have received God's good gift in our lives. Sandwiches the promise that he will answer when we ask and seek and knock. And then the third sign is an implication of having those two previous signs lived out in our lives. We become, the third sign is that let us, remember, we become Children of God who are discerning. We are discerning people. We become people who are wise and discerning. And this is what Jesus is saying in this somewhat cryptic verse about do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs because if they do, they may trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It sounds cryptic, but Jesus is essentially saying that as the implication that you have received these two good gifts, these good gifts, this, this good gift, sorry, and having these two signs lived out in your life is that you become people that are discerning. And Matthew shows that Jesus explains this much-needed quality exemplified in a child of God later on. In chapter 10, we find Jesus saying, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and Innocent as doves. You see, Matthew's Jesus is all about inviting his disciples to be beatitude people. People who are poor in spirit. People who mourn when they see injustice, oppression happening all around them. People who are meek. People who are hungry for righteousness, for right relatedness. 
people who are merciful, people who are pure in heart, people who are peacemakers, and who end up being persecuted because of righteousness. These three responsibilities basically summarize what beatitude people look like. And, and here's why I can see why I am evil. Why this good pastor from Indonesia is still evil, right? Because I'm so far from what the good that God wants to give me. I'm still very far from what God wants to give me. Very, very far. No matter how much theological education you have, I'm still very far. But in seeing how far I am still from this good gift, I can also see that this good that the Father wants to give me is to be more and more like His Son. To be more and more like Christ. And the Father really, really wants all His children to be more and more like the Son that He loves. And what gives me hope, and this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus, what gives me hope is hearing what Jesus says in the version that Luke gives us. In his version, in Luke eleven thirteen, what Jesus says in Matthew seven eleven is clarified. And it goes like this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Pastor Megan said that I come from an Assemblies of God church, and it's a Pentecostal church. And so the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts is our Bible within the Bible, right? The Bible within the Bible, because it's all talking about the Holy Spirit. But it is very important to talk about the Holy Spirit because it turns out that the good gift is none other than the paraclete himself. The good gift is the other advocate himself. As John recorded Jesus saying, and I will ask the Father and I will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. This advocate is the one who will make us become more and more like Christ. This paraclete is the one who will make us become beatitude people. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot be beatitude people. And this is the good gift that Jesus wants us to request from His Father day and night by asking, by seeking, and by knocking. And the good news is that our prayer is not offered in vain. Paul reminds us of this reality when he wrote to the church in Rome. He tells us that and hope does not put us to shame. Praise God. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now imagine just for a minute. Imagine just for a minute if we are faithful in asking. If we are fervent in seeking and if we persevere in knocking. No matter what we just did two minutes ago, and we find that we are unworthy to come to the Father, but we still are faithful to ask, we're fervent in seeking, and we persevere in knocking. Can we imagine the blessing of God that is felt by us? That is felt by our family. My daughters won't be praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from that anymore. <laughs> 
by our church, by our city, by our nation. The blessing of the good gift of the Holy Spirit will become so real because it overflows from our hearts and it flows to the people that we encounter and it's contagious. It is my prayer that we will be faithful, that we will be fervent, and we will persevere in our asking and our seeking and our knocking the door of heaven for this good gift to us day by day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that when Jesus says that he will no longer be with us in his bodily presence, he promises us that he will not leave us as orphans. And indeed, it is because of his fulfilled promise that we can become your children. We who have not encountered Jesus bodily, physically, may encounter him so tangibly and so palpably because of this good gift of the Holy Spirit that you have given to all your children, even beyond the church walls. And so we thank you, Lord, for this reality. We thank you that in Christ, the fullness of God that is, also, that is in him is also in us. It's in there waiting for us to remove, remove all the things that clutters our heart so that Jesus can reign solely in our hearts. And so this morning, I ask on behalf of my brothers and my sisters that we would be faithful in asking and seeking and knocking to receive this good gift, the good gift of the Father and the Son, the good gift of the Lord, the giver of life, that will breathe his life to us so that we become fully alive in Christ. And as we become fully alive in Christ, we become the blessing of Christ to our family, to our workplaces, to our neighborhoods, to our city, to our nation, to everyone that we encounter, people will see Christ in us. Help us, Lord, to always ask, always seek, and always knock, and be confident in the fact that you will answer this prayer. Because it is your desire for us to be literal Christ as we are followers of the Christ in whose name we pray and give thanks.